Adults keep saying, we owe it to the young people to give them hope. It's beyond time to take action on climate change. But I don't want your hope. Right now, federal governments are failing to act. The city of Miami Beach is declaring a climate change emergency. So the politicians in this building can literally look out their windows and on some days see sea level rise. None of this is a coincidence. I want you to panic. Climate change is a consequence. We are in one of the frontline communities facing the climate crisis, and it is time that we speak up for our residents that are being hurt. Just from a quick little rain we got. I wanted to act as if the house was on fire, because it is. I first became involved with the Clio Institute almost a year ago, once I started learning about the urgency that the climate crisis needed from young people and amounted to my own school walkout. So as a student at FIU, I study environmental science and in all my classes, climate change is sort of touched upon at the end. And I started to realize that no other issue is more ultimate than the climate crisis. And about a year ago also, I became involved with Clio because I attended their community climate symposium. In comparison to many of the cities around the world, we are, if not the most, one of the cities that will be affected detrimentally by the climate crisis. So we're talking about sea level rise, saltwater intrusion, intensified hurricanes, losing our access to safe drinking water. So being ground zero for climate change means that we are in a lot of danger and we don't have any time to really waste as a city in comparison to others especially. We're doing this because we feel that no matter how much the youth actually rose up and tackled the problem of climate change in 2019, we aren't necessarily getting the fruitful effects out to the public and the solutions and the knowledge that is needed to cultivate meaningful change. Therefore, House on Fire will act as a catalyst, not only locally in Miami, a ground zero community as Gabby spoke about, but hopefully internationally to inspire a sense of justice and knowledge among the people who will be impacted by climate change, which is frankly, everyone. There is no resilience in Miami specifically or, or other cities in this country unless everybody has a basic understanding of the crisis. So today on House on Fire, we are going headfirst into youth activism, specifically on that around the climate movement. So in the past year, in 2019, we've seen the rise of the climate movement, not only in Miami, but around the entire world. And that's why we've brought in great activists like Sammy and Isra today to talk about what that means. So when we look at this year and when we look at the climate movement that's been brought about, we've seen millions of school children walk out of their schools and start striking and start escalating movements. You guys want to talk about the origins behind that? Yeah, sure. So I think it's worth mentioning when it comes to youth climate activism that this is not new and this is something that we didn't necessarily start. It's something ingrained in indigenous culture and that the kids leading it today are taking those values and running with it. 
but it has become mainstream. Um, and we're happy it has because now we see climate action at the forefront. And a reason that it has become so mainstream is because of Greta Thunberg. She is a 17-year-old Swedish climate activist who decided one day that her future was so at risk that she was going to stop going to school and going to strike in front of Swedish parliament every Friday. As people started to see this and the few people that realized the urgency of the climate crisis with Greta, they started to join her physically. And then through the power of social media and the internet, millions of kids around the world started doing the same thing as Greta. They started going to their local government buildings and demanding from their elected officials that they wanted bold climate action. What's the most memorable moment you both have had from your work so far? So for sure, the day that always stays so clear in my mind was our September 20th strike. We had such large numbers that day. We were so loud, roaring through the streets that day. That was the most empowered I think I've ever felt. I felt our movement growing. I could sense it in the air. I felt that vibe. And from there, our movement just kept growing even more. But that day when we were leading the chants and we had how many people behind us? About 500. 500 people. That was just the largest crowd I've ever seen at a climate strike. So many youth, they they just seemed so into it. And I felt like our word was beginning to spread and the movement was seriously growing to have all those people skip school. That This wasn't an after school event. People were skipping school. And that just felt like such an, a memorable day. I definitely share that sentiment with with you, Sammy, September 20th was memorable, but I recently had a crazy experience that I think I can describe as the most amazing weekend of my life. I, I joined 150 other kids in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago on President's Day to demand climate action from our senators. And we stayed, I mean, this, this group of 150 kids, our accommodations were, to say the least, very humble. We stayed in sleeping bags in churches. and But when we woke up on that last day, on President's Day, and we took over the lobby of the Capitol building and dropped enormous banners, and I saw my very own friends put their freedom on the line in order to transmit this message of action that we needed, that gave me hope. Mm-hmm. I walked out of the Capitol seeing my friends getting arrested with tears in my eyes, but those were tears of joy because I knew that there was a wave of leadership coming from kids and young people and their allies ready to put their lives and their everything on the line in order to get change happening. In a sense, this is the start of the youth climate movement. Greta has really become a face of it. But just like she says herself, she is not the only face of it. And youth climate activism is driven by a very diverse set of people, different ages, different backgrounds all around the world. What that is, is that we're standing up to the longstanding government inaction and and lack of leadership in the face of the climate crisis, which is directly affecting our generation. And although it's affecting all of us around the world, our generation, as well as many other marginalized communities around the entire planet, are facing the effects of the climate crisis at an unequal rate and an unequal potency. And sure as hell, we're very mad about it. And that's what youth activism is all about, trying to yearn and ask for that sense of responsibility and action from our governments in order for them to actually care about our futures. It's 
Very basic things that we're asking for. This is JP recording live from Standin Park in Washington, D.C., close to the Capitol building with a bunch of Sunrise activists that are ready to plan an escalated action to take over the Capitol building and demand a Green New Deal. So it's President's Day today and you're in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol building instead of at home taking a day off. Why is that? Because I realize the urgency of this crisis. I have lived through the worst effects of this crisis. Uh, I lived for three months without power after Hurricane Maria. I saw how climate crisis has killed thousands of my people. And I realized that the time to do something could not be any more urgent. What is the role of young people in this movement and why is it so important? Uh, young people are, will be the ones who will inherit this broken earth. So we're the ones that unfortunately are given the responsibility to save this planet, to ensure climate justice for all 7 billion people on it. And it's so important that we do this so that we have a future to live in, our children, our grandchildren, and all our future gen uh, generations have a future and a world to live in. Now, we're outside of the Capitol today, about to go in, and it's President's Day. What are we doing here and why? Yeah, so we're about to hold a mass action where we're going to be taking over the Capitol. We're going to have some banner drops. We're going to have some storytelling um, and really just a youth presence to demand that our senators co-sponsor Green New Deal. And I'm personally here because in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, I've seen floods devastate my community. And I realized that I really needed to step up and I didn't have to wait to take action. And Sunrise has really created this place for high schoolers, middle schoolers, young people overall to really take charge of their own narrative and demand um, that our leaders step up to the plate. And being there really reinforced the sense of what activism also is, which is creating community. Um, creating community is a huge part behind activism. And luckily, I was able to not only feel empowered by performing civil disobedience in the Capitol by taking over the lobby, but also meeting kids from all over the country who are faced with unsurmountable odds brought by the climate crisis, like kids from Puerto Rico or kids from Kentucky, um, who also share this sentiment that I have. And on that note, one of the amazing kids that, or kids, I'm saying, that I met there was this girl. This girl who was very inspirational to me and who I share a very, very close friendship with. And her name is Isra Hirsi. And she just happens to be on the podcast today. And she is the co-founder of U.S. Youth Climate Strikes. And she has done amazing work in terms of climate and representation of activism throughout her childhood, because she started when she was 12, and we are so lucky to have her on the podcast today. Isra, so we're so happy to have you. You are the co-founder of U.S. Youth Climate Strike. You are 17 years old. You're Somali American. You are from Minnesota, but you live in D.C. right now. And what's when it comes to being an activist, that's clearly not new to you. Um, you have been acting for different causes since you were 12 years old, and that's incredible, honestly. Um, that's something that uh, has inspired a lot of people, especially through your work. And I wanna know, why? how did all this start? Where did you start with this? Does it have to do with how you grew up? How did you get involved in this work? So for me, I guess, like, organizing was just, like, the norm. I would go to protests um, and rallies and campaign events and, like, kindergarten and so I didn't really think anything of it and then 
when I got old enough, I like realized I had the ability to like be the person organizing the rally or be the person who was doing the the community event or something like that. And so when I first got into high school when I was 14, I joined a whole bunch of clubs to try to be the best that I could. So it just kind of felt natural to me. And it was just like what was easily accessible to me at the time. So what factors influence you to be so involved at such a young age? Yeah, I guess it would just be the amount of inaction from like politicians, like government officials, like seeing how people were treating my future, people's futures, and also the the current state of our country as pawns. They're like messing with us. I felt like it was just like necessary for me to do as much as I can. Like since I have the ability and access to, I do everything that I can to for the future. So you brought up a big point of political inaction when it comes to so many of the issues that you fight upon. And that's something that we really like to emphasize here. We're not seeing the meaningful climate action that we've been asking for from our politicians for years. But recently we've started seeing a shift of leadership in our halls of government and in Congress. How do you interact with this sort of change in leadership, seeing as how, you know, even even your own mother is a new freshman in, in Congress. What what kind of hope of leadership do you see coming now? You know, with all of the new members in Congress and also the, the massive change in conversation, I think, like, it definitely brings me hope with what's happening to Congress, what's happening in local communities, the amount of people that are just ironically being pushed to the left just because of, like, how horrible the state of the country is. Did these effects that you experienced have have a direct role in in your co-founding of u.s youth climate strikes or can you tell us the story behind behind that foundation yeah i guess i got contacted through instagram dm in january of 2019 because i was doing uh minnesota green new deal work at the time and so this girl dm'd me from colorado asking me to organize the global climate strike for march 15th in minnesota and so i offered to help organize nationally and we ended up doing it together. Yes, from there, we just kind of like went on like a massive kickstart. So you speak about um, lots of the ways in which you got you got involved and what kind of things that you want to see change within the movement. But what are the things that the movement is doing right? And what hopes do you have in 2020 in terms of the movement? Yeah, I think the movement is definitely like moving towards the right direction. There's so many organizers that are coming up and taking space and also just more of a mention of the global South, which I think is like super necessary. So I think that that like in itself gives me a lot of help, like seeing the amount of people who are like one, recognizing the the lack of intersectionality and the lack of inclusivity within the movement and also like taking it upon themselves to change that. So I definitely think we're like doing a lot better than we were when I first started like three years ago. So we can see a steady progress in our movement but what can we define as success based on what we ask, based on how we're trying to get rid of fossil fuels, based on how we're trying to get politicians and leaders to care about future generations? How do we define success for the movement? I think success can be defined in multiple different ways. I think one of the biggest successes I already see is seeing millions of young people come out for September 20th. I think another success is even the creation of the Green New Deal and also making that into a resolution. But I think moving forward, having more folks come out to strike, but also changing the national conversation, getting a climate candidate in office, as well as more climate champions in Congress, 
and get all smaller ones. But yeah. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for that. We hope to keep in touch with you. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Isra. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, JP, all of us here sitting in the room are three climate activists here in Miami, and I want to hear more about both how both of you got involved. Can you tell us a little bit briefly how you got here? Yeah, sure. So, because of my family and because of the things that my grandparents mostly have instilled in me, I always had a really big regard for climate and the environment. And in October of 2018, there was a report released that said we had 12 years left to act, and I couldn't deal with that. So I took it upon myself to have a school walkout and plan one, and I did. And at the same time, I saw Greta's movement started picking up around Europe. And thankfully, when I did the school walkout, a bunch of climate organizations, including Clio, reached out to me, and I started working with every one of them. And well, I found myself being an activist. I feel like for myself, the way I got involved was a little bit different from you two because it sounds like you both came from a place of urgency. The right. IPCC report came out, you saw things on social media, and you're like, I need to get up and do something about this. And for me, it was more so I've always been learning about climate change. I'm a junior in college, I study environmental science, and every class kind of ends with a topic about climate, like a slide mm -hmm. about climate. And little by little, I started to realize this is the ultimate environmental issue. And there's nothing else that I should even bother working on or studying because this is connected to everything from biodiversity loss in Sumatra to nutrient pollution in the Everglades. The climate crisis is absolutely everything. So then I started getting involved with Clio, working on schools programs. And then I realized that activism was such a calling for me because I kind of relied a lot of my environmentalism on individual actions, right? So like switching to a metal straw, right. um, eating less meat, which are important things. But with the urgency of the climate crisis and the IPCC reports, we don't have enough time to rely on individual actions. So that's why I found activism is to be as such a efficient way of doing this. I don't know if you guys agree or what your relationship is with that. I totally agree, especially with what you said about um, the animals going extinct and how it was your calling. Like I said earlier about climate change being an umbrella issue and how it impacts everything and it's a threat multiplier. I felt like if I didn't act now, I would have to act eventually and it was only going to get harder over time. So I felt like now was the time to start fighting and I'm glad I haven't stopped. I also think the, the urgency aspect is what has brought a majority of people in in 2019 seeing that you know these crazy numbers 12 years a decade now as we speak here in this room are left to act in order to prevent apocalyptic things right and that scares the hell out of an entire generation and more so those who will be affected by climate change the most and You know, in, in another episode, we'll get about the nitty gritty about Miami specifically as a frontline community. But seeing people in my own community, mostly low income black and brown communities, being affected already by the climate crisis and yeah. not only mm -hmm. in terms of like where they live, but facing racial and economic injustices because of the climate crisis was something very real to me that I could see with my own eyes that I could say I've experienced. And If that isn't a call to action, I don't know what is. Right. And I can relate to what JP said earlier. Um, mm -hmm. I feel empowered, so empowered, especially when I'm the one leading the chants and to just have so many people yelling at our elected officials and yelling for change. It just feels like we're getting something done. And I also feel like you would think that our voices 
can't be heard or our voices are so minimal, but it actually really does make a difference. If we hadn't gone out and striked like we did every week, we wouldn't have gotten the Miami Declaration of a Climate Emergency or Coral Gables, Surfside, Miami Beach. And this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when we keep mobilizing, it's only going to get even bigger. You know, like when we talk about climate and when we talk about the fossil fuel industry and when we talk about politicians who appease them, we talk about very scary, usually men in suits right. who make very powerful decisions backed by a very scary amount of money, crazy amounts of money. And for a 16 year old, 15 year old, 17 year old, 20 something year old kid to get up and stand in front of these politicians and say and, and leaders and say enough is enough. There's nothing more than empowering as a way that you Definitely. could describe mm -hmm. that. So with empowerment, do you feel hopeful? What's your outlook on the next few years? What are you guys feeling in that way? I feel kind of a mix of emotions. Um, I've said this before that while I'm optimistic and we're optimistic, we, we can't just keep our hopeful look and our hopeful view on everything because we need to keep pushing and keep thinking of it as a crisis mm -hmm. and what it is. Because if we don't, we're just... We're not going to push as hard. We're not going to be as anxious as we should be. And we're not going to be realistic about it. So I feel if we were just hopeful right now and we just quieted down on our striking or we just took kind of a break, that that would be unacceptable. We have to keep pushing hard and we can't just see everything with a light shining on it. Sure. I, you know what? I, I'll relate to Sammy. I do feel an intense amount of hope as I see more and more people joining the movement, as I see more and more headlines about the movement, as I see more money, more action being taken on climate. Yeah. But there's also a dichotomy. A, 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 there's another side, you know, there's an ugly side, which is like, yes, we can celebrate. But we also, once again, have these 10 years and, you know, the other side isn't going to stop. They're going to keep mm -hmm. throwing in their money and their power to go against us, too. But I think there's a certain beauty in that because we can see that we're winning. We know that we're standing on the shoulders of giants and we know that it comes down to an existential threat. And this is a battle that we can't afford to lose. Mm -hmm. And we've got to keep our heads up. We've got to keep being pragmatic and we got to keep fighting for what's right. And when... For example, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, calls us, the climate movement, the greatest threat to them. Right. I think we ought to give ourselves a pat on the back We're for that We're doing one. something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. And um, before, I didn't see myself or ourselves, the youth, as such a powerful uh, force. Like, wait till you're 18 to vote. Wait till you're older to be elected into office. No, we need to act right now. And that's why... I joined the movement and that's why I'm so excited to see so many youth in the movement. And I'm glad that I learned that we are truly a huge force and we're going to wipe fossil fuels out of our planet mm -hmm. and the future is renewable and we're never stopping. We're not stopping until we have 100% renewable and we know our climate and our planet is safe from catastrophe. So in that case, I think that we can define that that is what the youth is asking for. Absolutely. I think, yeah, when I when it comes to that question, what the youth is asking for, I think that merely we're asking that our so-called leaders stop acting like children while children are acting like leaders. I mm -hmm. think that 
The science has been clear for so long. We need to completely wipe out fossil fuels because of what they are doing. We want 100% renewable energy as soon as possible, and we want climate justice to be accounted for. Mm -hmm. We know that climate change presents an existential threat. Um, it is a threat multiplier, like Sammy said. It will exacerbate other injustices like racial and economic injustices. And all the youth is asking for is, hey, people who call themselves leaders, can you please care about the existence of life on Earth right. and justice like you say you do? That's all we're asking for. What do you think, Abby? I agree completely. That's why I keep using the word simple until I find a better word. But it really is like that's what the youth is asking for to end the burning of fossil fuels, give us a stable climate and protect our futures. In fact, it's your job to. That's why you were put in office. Mm -hmm. And if you can't live up to that, then I think we ought to take action and put into place the people who can do that. Absolutely. Right. And I've said that before um, in one of my speeches at a global climate strike. I had said politicians are supposed to represent their constituents. But let me tell you, they're not representing us. And the truth is, we are the next wave of voters. We are already beginning to outnumber boomers. And once our entire generation starts approaching that age of 18 and they start getting more involved with activism, we're going to wipe out those politicians who aren't representing us and start voting for people who actually care about our future and care about our lives as that's their job. Right. Agreed. You guys are incredible and we love the work you're doing. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you for having me. And we thank Isra for joining as well. House on Fire is brought to you by the Clio Institute, a local nonprofit organization that drives climate education in Miami, Florida. Please consider donating to fund our community programs. No amount is too little. This podcast is made possible by donors like you. To learn more about Clio, visit clioinstitute.org. Thanks for listening to House on Fire. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere podcasts can be found. An All Points West production recorded at Unicorn Fire Radio in Miami.